Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Frio Big Footy Podcast. This week we'll be wrapping up the pre-season and starting to have a look at the uh, round one proper with Port Adelaide looming large on the horizon. We'll have a bit of a look back through the West Coast game in round three of the NAB Challenge where Fremantle ran out winners, one goal, one super goal, 13 goals, 17 behinds, 104 to West Coast, one goal, 11 goals, 10 behinds, 85. Probably a pretty flattering scoreline in the end for uh, West Coast, to be honest, with the amount of shots that we missed. But we'll get into that in a little bit more shortly. Joining us this week is our usual resident Victorian expert, Seppo. How are you, mate? I'm good, Centurions, and the countdown is on to this start of uh, the season. I'm just looking forward to it after the little uh, little wart test of the uh, waters against the Eagles. It was um, good to finally get over our local rivals again and just head into the countdown to round one. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously there was a little bit of uh, talk before the game with a couple of uh, got late withdrawals, obviously probably Alex Silvani being the main one. And uh, Seppo, and probably just, you know, you know, Adam Simpson probably said it best at the end of it, you just really want to get through that last game without getting any more injuries. And uh, it was probably a couple of scares for Fremantle. Obviously we did lose Subin in the first five minutes, which was, which was disappointing after, you know, Bowler counts, you know, and even when we saw in the preseason, he'd had a terrific preseason. And then we also saw Stephen Hill sort of tweak his ankle a little bit, and also Crozier in the last five minutes, so uh, or ten minutes of the game. So let's just hope that those boys are. I mean, Stephen Hill came back on, so he should be right to go. And let's just hope Crozier is right to go as well. Yeah, hopefully those rolled little ankles don't impact them anymore, and they can get back out there because we've. Got a couple that sat out that game. There was, you know, the likes of Ballantyne, Duffield, Mazungu and Barlow and even guys like Tabana that are sort of all sat this game out and um, probably get a chance to play for Peel, I believe, next week and, and push themselves because the players out there today certainly, um, you could definitely, because it was a, an extended squad for these NEB Challenge games, so you have to cut down that list again. So if you take out the engine players, you're almost sort of got a... 22 there, but we're going to need a balanced side for round one, and we certainly saw a lot, even with our depth and fringe players, the guys in their first, second, and even third years. Um, Tom Sheridan was one that impressed me and probably played the best game he's ever played for the club um, so far in his development and, and what he did. So he obviously had a new task for him playing down back, and I thought it was quite odd that they um, ha- had him listed at a half back and Sutcliffe half forward. It's usually the other way around, but it was um, good to see a couple of the players go into different positions and, and try it out. Yeah, I think that's one thing we've probably out of anything else that we can take out of the pre-season, Seppo, rather than... It, I mean, obviously, the key is they've been... Obviously, you can see they're trying to get better ball movement through the middle and moving that ball a little bit faster, probably a la the Hawthorne model. But I think one thing that we've really noticed is that the um, sort of emphasis by the club and probably Ross Lyon in terms of producing better or more versatile players. We've seen, obviously, Chris Main required to go back and play in defence at times. Tommy Sheridan, as you just mentioned, was pushed back into defence at um, various parts and probably playing that small forward and then rotated more through the, ring, through the wing later in the game. And then, obviously, just trying to get, uh, as you said, Suckliffe up a little bit more, Clancy Pearce and DeBoer obviously trying to take that role with uh, Crowley being out and then... The other obvious one we had missing was uh, Zach Dawson as well, Seppo. So a few guys trying to put their hands up, but we probably probably can't afford to lose one more of our bigs down in defence. Otherwise, we could uh, be in a little bit of pain, I think. 
Mm. It was great to see actually Sutcliffe push up, and he, he kicked one super goal, a, a normal goal, and, and this one else. So it's great to see that you know, he's one that's capable of a big kick, and usually he's you know driving us from the back line. And without Duffield there, we probably lost a bit of it, but it's good to see those there that are capable of it. Um, I even liked, and it's been mentioned on the, the forum today, just reading that Duffy was actually playing a better game higher up the ground rather than close to goal. So it's good to see that we've got some other guys that can actually move pretty quickly, let alone kick the ball, but actually move themselves and got some set of wheels. So it's great to see guys like Hill and um, Sheridan and, and Duffy that have they actually moved pretty quickly. So Yeah, Duffy's got, I mean, Duffy has got a pretty decent set of wheels on him. And obviously you can see that in that, uh, it was the last quarter there where he sort of broke away from just on the other side of the centre square and went for the nine goal. Oh, no, sorry, in the third quarter it was. And, uh, yeah, he certainly burned off the uh, West Coast play, but unfortunately just missed a long shot. I think the other thing, Seppo, that probably we could take out of that game is that, uh, you know, despite 207 or so replies on the uh, forum, that um, Chris Mayne, I think, will definitely be a lock for a come round one. Yeah, he's certainly uh, really shown that he's actually so versatile, probably one of the more uh, versatile players on the whole list, the fact that what he does forward and back and... Even during the game, he was up and back. But um, what he does with his pressure and, and the way he, he almost has that hunger back, and you just think last year that it was just a down year due to injury or something that held him back because what he put on today was winding back the clock a bit to that 2013 form. And like someone mentioned, he finished second or third in our best and fairest a couple of years ago. So he's a, a brilliant player to have, and you kind of put him down to the towards the end of the 22. But... He is certainly one of our better contributors there, and he doesn't necessarily show it on the stats sheet, but you just have a look at the highlights and the way he goes in and, and hits it hard is, is what we need out there. So it's great to see that he got through unscathed and looks like he's ready to contribute this year. The bit that really surprised me is the fact that, and I suppose they got managed well, but the fact that all of Sandland's Pav and, and McFarlane got through the game pretty much unscathed. I'm not sure if Sandland's and Pav had bits of their leg worked on at stages, but... They all look in ripping nick, and if we can keep those three and you know, rest them at crucial parts of the season, that will go a long way, I reckon, to having a good season with those three out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key for us, obviously, is making sure McFarland's right to go, you know, come the end of the season. And uh, if he, you know, because he's just such a uh, general back there, and, you know, the defence just looks so much stronger with it. And it's been interesting with the, uh, we've obviously had a number of different guys rotate through that defensive uh, back six even last week with Sydney and then against Melbourne, yeah, it all, doesn't matter. Seem to you know, as you said, they all seem to play the system and the role pretty well, and they and they've all held up. And obviously, McFarlane's a major key to that. Mm. And the worst thing is, that I suppose, out of those three, it looks like McFarlane's probably the most valuable at the moment because what he can provide and and the way that Kennedy sort of showed against us that you know you really do need a decent centre half back that can actually run with the the big power forwards and just watching a couple of the other NAB, NAB Challenge games with, you know, the likes of Mitch Clark and Tom Hawkins for Geelong and some of the other sides that have got good pairs of key forwards. They'll uh, definitely stretch us if we're missing. Start to lose a bit more than just Dawson and Silvani because if, if we can get those guys back, we'll be in, in good stead. But you really do need some of those players and yeah, the one that yeah. we definitely need out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yesterday you could even see McFarlane like tended once um Kennedy pushed out past you know into the centre square, he tended to let him just have that little 
sort of um, you know, lead-up mark type position. But once he got inside the 50, he sort of tended to play him a little bit closer. So I don't think uh, there was sort of, you know, over, because obviously they felt that West Coast didn't have a lot else to kick to once they got the ball outside of Kennedy. And you could sort of see they were probably spending a little bit more effort on the crowd. You know, they're just lacking that little bit of class up forward with the exception of those two players. And uh, what did you think of the... Um, obviously, I don't think they can go in with both Clancy, Pierce and DeBoer. So if I would come round one, I think only one of those guys is going to get the gig. Which, uh, who do you think probably put their hand up for the for the position? Well, I like DeBoer's earlier games of both Melbourne and Sydney. This one, he dropped back a bit and I like Clancy's more. But it might have been because he had the job on Selwood, I think, um, and kind of got loose a bit and almost gave up on the attacking job. I think he... Um, had his sort of own ball for a while and really helped with our ball movement. Um, I didn't actually see if DeBoer had a harder tag on um, possibly Hearn or someone else on there, but he, a lot of the Eagles players were quite limited. There was only one or two that really stood out for me with um, Josh Kennedy and Marston um, probably having really good games and I suppose the Crow at certain stages when he, he got around the ground. But the out of the two... I'd, Probably say DeBoer just at this stage, but Clancy's definitely shown that he's uh, capable and definitely attended a lot of the centre bounces. So they're obviously training him up for something and, and almost take that Crowley replacement tagging role if we're going to use it in the middle. Yeah, well, I think it. I think it depends really. I think it's going to be a horses for courses type thing because you look at the um, the individual player that you're looking to tag and like. I think the ball's a little bit more dangerous for us. And he can actually has got a reasonable set of hands. I mean, his set shot um, probably lets him down a little bit at times, but he kicked Clancy's two goals going last to week. The department definitely. I mean, he kicked two goals last week against um, Sydney. And he, you know, he would have got some decent odds at the start of the game if you picked him as our leading goal scorer. Um, but you know, but Clancy's probably a little bit better ball user around the ground, and. You'd have to think that probably Robbie Gray would be one of those guys, in, you know, if Mzungu, especially if he's not 100%, Robbie Gray or someone like that would be the player they're going to be, or Travis Boak, come round one, will be the player that they're going to be targeting. So it's going to be a sort of tough gig for whoever gets that role, that's for sure. Mm, definitely. Anything else stand out for you, uh, Seppo? I thought uh, the other sort of stand out, although he didn't get a lot of the ball, I thought Connor Blakely's um, certainly showed, highlighted his potential with, you know, the, way, the efficiency that he used the ball, he made good decisions all, pretty much all day. And, uh, you know, I mean, that little kick to Pav in the last quarter was, you know, exquisite. But, the, you know, just his handballing and traffic, I thought, was outstanding as well. Mm. It, was, it was like I said on the forum after watching that game. He, he's playing like a second-year or third-year player. He's got a body, a build. He's got footy smarts. And, uh, yeah, just the way that he moved around shows that he can be put into um, really tough games and... You know, a lot of people are expecting Weller to come on, and he's looked okay at training, but Blackley's definitely uh, cream of the crop so far out of the guys that are running around, and oh, maybe he's going to get the vest early on, but if he does get full games, it looks like we've got something on our hands here, and um, yeah, it's just exciting to see. Yeah, I think that was an interesting thing yesterday. A lot of the um, players that sort of stood out for West Coast tended to be uh, younger guys, you know, like I thought Sheed was quite quite good yesterday and that's and you know lamb had a little bits and pieces but i think he's still going to be a little way off but you know i think he certainly showed a fair bit of potential but it just tended to be that west coast some of their more experienced players just 
were pretty average. And, um, you know, if you think that the likes of those sort of guys are going to get games all year, they could be in for a pretty long season. I know they probably had three or four of their best out, but there wasn't a huge group missing. And obviously, McKenzie's a big loss for them. But, you know, as I said, there, there could be a long season for those guys. So it's hard to sort of take, you know, in the last quarter, they sort of looked like they put the queue in the rack for sort of the first 10, 15 minutes. But they sub Sandalands out and, uh, you know, five gave away a silly 50 and they got close and then they sort of pulled away again. But it'd be interesting to see what Lyon thought, you know, in the press conference, he was pretty happy with the performance overall. Mm. And by the sounds of it, we've heard that the um, the actual game, the trainers are going out there to tell them to go hard for 10 minutes and then and come back off and just take the foot off the pedal. So you could sort of see why West Coast got into the game when the sort of foot came off a bit. Um, but the way that Fife dominated and, and Walters just made opportunities out of nothing was brilliant to see. And <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, with this, the way that I've seen things being thrown out by the MRP this year, there's more, I think, six things that were cited for this round and all of them fines. It's uh, putting Fife in a very good position to win a Brownlow this year because if he's going to dish up something like he has there, and providing they don't decide to sub him out at three-quarter time like they've done last year in round one, he'll be... Um, up for a lot of votes and I'll be throwing my money on him for a brown before he shortens up too much. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you sort of tend to take him a bit for granted at times, you know, when you watch him in there. and Just his ability and, you know, just that flexibility he has of being able to take any player he has forward of centre and just take that mark, just add such a weapon. And that's, you know, really why, you know, we need those guys like Subin and that available. And, you know, and I think we talked about it in the probably the first podcast of the year, Seppo, or maybe the second one where... We just, you know, the likes of Sheridan and their development is going to be crucial for us this year because if he can come in and, you know, hold that role, it just allows us a little bit more flexibility with uh, being able to sort of move five forward and rotating through that forward line and just be a lot more dangerous. Mm. It's quite interesting when Pavlich goes into the, the, the midfield and you sort of question it, but if you've got five going forward, there's, there's something to go to and if at least if those centre square bounces aren't exactly Pav streaming out they're kicking it forward it might be hill or someone else providing he got five up there is um a great marking target and i was actually quite surprised at how well clark and and hannah did around the ground because i was quite critical on hannah's his speed and everything so it did look slow at some stages but that little passage of play where pav fed it into the center and he just cut off that eagles player that was about to pick it up and Hannah slotted that mark. He looked nothing like a ruckman there, and it's certainly a big improvement on last year. So if we've got time without Sandlands and Clark and, and Griffin, Hannah shows that he can play as well. So that was actually pleasing to see. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, it was in the last quarter, and they were probably playing a couple of witches' hats down there. But, I mean, obviously Clark did show a little bit, you know, up forward. Uh, and, you know, and that's what he, what he needs to be able to do for us. You know, he, no good him just being a ruck or being out of sort of run around the ground, he has to have some sort of presence up forward if we're going to be able to take that next step this year. And, you know, obviously he's had a much better pre-season than last year where he sort of, uh, you know, did the uh, festival scene. And uh, let's just hope that he, and obviously, you know, hopefully he can uh, be that little bit more dangerous up forward because, as you said, I thought Hannah showed a little bit at times yesterday. Uh, I still think he's probably behind Clark overall, but at least he did show that he can contest up forward. Mm. I suppose there was two or three players like Mundy seemed to have a quietish game and I think Neil as well sort of backed off a bit from his usual great performances so at least there's a bit of improvement there and if some of those guys start to pick it up it'll be uh, looking very good coming to round one. Yeah I mean the other thing as well Seppo we've probably uh, 
been ch- chatted a little bit on, I think, on the boards that most people would have. You know, there's probably been discussion whether Daniel Pierce or Tommy Sheridan, because they sort of, you know, were um, the same sort of players, and who would be the uh, pick round one. And obviously, uh, you'd have to think Daniel Pierce would need to have a pretty decent game for Peel this week to get another sort of game under his belt, or certainly next week before uh, before round one, if he wants to be a chance to play Port. I think because at the moment you'd have to have Sheridan ahead of him based on what yeah. we saw yesterday. Definitely. I think um, from what I've seen so far in the pre-season, and I suppose Daniel's missed quite a bit. Um, Sheridan would almost be ahead of him, and I think I'm not sure if we're going to see. I noticed that round one it will be Daniel Pierce's 50th consecutive game with the club, so there is a chance that he might not make it, only by pure um, pushing from other guys outside this uh, 22 with, with guys like... Sheridan and, and some of the others really just making him work for his spot. So he might have to do it through Peel. I'm not sure if he's going to be given the opportunity because I'm not sure if you can play um, this week, go to Peel and then make it back for round one because they might be uh, forced to have the week off. So it'll be quite interesting to see come round one based off that one game if, if Pierce can make it. Yeah, absolutely. So there'll be... Uh, so I mean, even though we said we're probably just still missing four or five of our better players, it's still going to be quite tough for uh, some of those, you know, to pick that round one side. So it does show that we probably do have a little bit more depth in the, you know, in the club. And I think we, you know, I think most people would say we comfortably would go to thirty deep. I think beyond that, we've probably got a guys who probably untried or untested. But I think most people would feel pretty comfortable that up to about thirty, thirty-one players, I think, would be comfortable playing in an AFL environment at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And it's good to see guys given an opportunity. There's one annoying thing that I've seen, though, is uh, we're probably lacking for round one when we come against Port Adelaide that have got guys like Gray and Wingard and Need and, and Wines and some of those guys that always seem to trouble us. We haven't actually tested out Gray, and he's been named emergency three times, and I even saw him there in the rooms warming up with the other guys that he, he hasn't had a run yet, and if we don't get guys like Duffield back and say something happens to Spur and he cuts himself open again like he seems to do every week. We're going to be in a, a tough position and it sounds like Gray is groomed for almost this little small defender role. Um, I'd just love to see him exposed to AFL level and, and not just keep on putting good performances in appeal this year and just be selected as emergency. So hopefully he does get his chance at some point. Um, but, yeah, just uh, well, hope something can happen with him. Well, it was interesting last year, Seppo. I mean, obviously, went down and watched quite a few of the Peel games, and Brady Gray in the first half of the season was used in a run with role, probably similar to what Clancy Pierce and uh, the Boar have been. And he did a pretty reasonable job at Waffle Level. He got some pretty tough assignments there, and he, you know, obviously, you know, comparing AFL midfielders to Waffle midfielders would be, you know, chalk and cheese. But at the end of the day, he still managed to get in quite good positions more often than not. And he, as you said, he did show ability to go down back and play as a small defender come the end of the year because it's certainly an area we definitely need a little bit more depth in the club at. And uh, obviously, if we could do that, we could release the likes of Sutcliffe and even Sheridan, who's played there, up into that midfield role and give us a little bit more run and carry through there, not run, yeah. just relying on Hill all the time. I suppose the only other thing we're missing out on is... Uh really testing out of Taverner and Atnes because certainly from that first intra-club or from the training sessions that we've watched is, is those two look like they're ready to really step up this year and both have sort of just just taken that little step back or just really struggled with the last couple of weeks. So 
hopefully we've got some good backups for Tall Timber up forward because we're uh, going to go with a, a nice small forward line, I think, if we um, don't get one of those two at least back into the side. So hopefully that's something we can look at over the next couple of weeks because we've got a tough couple of assignments in the uh, first four rounds of the fixture. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, probably the one area that was a bit of a concern, obviously, yesterday, Sefo, was the goal kicking. Um, when we went down and watched training, us, you know, the two of us went down and had a look and they obviously spent a fair bit of time at the training you know, doing the goal kicking, and unfortunately yesterday, a lot of the kicks they missed were not necessarily difficult chances, you know, within that sort of 25-degree radi- you know, angle of from the middle. So they were no, you know, a lot of them were certainly less than 45 degrees and probably 40, 45 metres out, and we missed just way too many. We should have realistically buried them in that third quarter where we were dominating. We just sort of uh, let them hang around, and we saw that uh, happen last year in the final against Port Adelaide where we were dominated in that first half and, you know, and ended up costing us the game. Yeah, I suppose when you look at some of the uh, culprits, I know five kicked a goal, but he missed two, and they were sort of gettable goals far to left and right. Um, I suppose there was a couple others that had nice clean shots at goal. I know Crazy's usually a good kick, and Tommy Sheridan kicked a good one, but there's probably a couple other players like Pav and, and Clark missed I think a couple each, so if we start to convert some of those behinds and, and not end up with more behinds and goals, if we can just switch, you know, 13 to 17 to the other way around, we're going to be uh, laughing this year and actually putting sides away and actually develop a pretty good percentage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, percentage is going to be an important thing, especially, as you said, we've got pretty difficult draw and we sort of need to play a little bit like, you know, the West Coast flat track bully type thing, you know, when they do play those weaker sides to be able to, sort of bury those sides and, you know, not just be content with a 40, 50-point win, but actually sort of try and build that percentage up a bit. Mm. Any other uh, things stand out for you, Seppo? Uh, not from the game. I think it was all sort of very good. The, the only thing that really uh, really looking forward to now is is really just getting there and, and getting into round one now. So hopefully it be good results from Peel and some of these other guys with injuries get up because it'll be great to go into round one with only players like Crowley, Dawson, say Subin Silvani unavailable because the rest look like they might be able to pull through and maybe Ballantyne if everything goes right for him. So we actually have, considering what's happening at a lot of other clubs and missing best 22 players and those four that I've just mentioned are sort of at least not in our best five or six and um, yeah, that's all we want leading up for the last 10 or 11 days we've got before we hit round one. Yeah, and obviously this week will be a pretty uh, crucial week, I think, with uh, Peel playing West Perth up at HPF Arena. So it'll obviously give a lot of those, there'll be a lot of interest to Don Lookers, I think, to see how those, or who, A, who lines up for Peel and how they perform on the day, because obviously week after we get straight into it against Port and we need to obviously put our best, uh, best foot forward. Mm. I mean, I think any, I think, um, you know, come the middle of the year, I think like last year, Seppo, you know, I think we're going to go on a pretty reasonable run through the middle of the year when we play some of those bottom sides. But the reality is if we want to be a top four side, we're going to have to at least worst split 50-50 those games, those first four or five games where you're looking at Sydney, Hawthorne, Geelong, Port Adelaide, those sort of things, those sort of yeah. sides. It's going to be a tough start to the year, and I think the finish is, again, a bit tough, but it's all about just getting the results, and I don't care if they're one-point wins or... You know, 100-point wins. I think these early games are going to be crucial. 
Yep. All right. And uh, so, probably anything uh, on the boards or any, any competitions to sprout before we uh, close off today? Obviously, we're counting down towards the end of uh, chance for super coach and footy tipping and that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's quite a couple of competition, I think, still going. We've got the um, actual Big 40 tipping, so we've got a thread sticky up there if you want to get into the um, the Freo board tipping with a chance to win prizes and membership for the board. So make sure you click on the link and get involved for the, the tipping to you know, share a bit of banter and bragging rights amongst the guys and um, have a look for all the other competitions with the, the fantasy. And Sam FFC is running the Tontine tipping competition again where – Sort of sudden death, which is always exciting to go through. So make sure you get yourself involved in that as well if you're on there. And, um, yeah, just keep an eye out for all events. So I know that for the people in Melbourne, there's the clubs put on a, um, a round one Purple Haze party at the local Great Northern Hotel where I usually go to, to watch the games. Unfortunately, I won't be there, but it's a, a good opportunity to get down there. And I think they're going to deck out the whole pub for our round one game against Port. So... Um, yeah, have a look around for the details for that. And, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting to the round one now. Yeah, no, it should be terrific. And, obviously, we'll have a lot more in-depth look at that next week, uh, Seppo, when the uh, sides come out. And, uh, as I said, it'll be one of those games that, uh, you know, will be certainly a bit of added spice there because, obviously, uh, Port and Frio, you know, always tend to have a pretty uh, red-hot go at each other regardless of where the ladder position is. Hmm. All right, well, we'll leave it there for this week. And obviously, thanks again for joining us this week, Seppo. No worries. Always great to be on and love talking footy, and it's not too far away now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And don't forget to either PM myself or uh, Seppo if you're interested in coming on board and uh, joining us. You just need a, uh, you know, just a Skype, uh, Skype account and uh, come and join us on a Thursday night and uh, have a bit of a chat about the game or, and uh, the previews. So... That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you again next week. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.